This is Top Floor Episode 20. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 20. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. Amy Martin Ziegenfuss has worked in marketing in the financial, healthcare, and nonprofit sectors, but she made the quite obviously superior choice to move into hospitality in 2004. Amy spent several years in London and now calls the DC area home, where she is Senior Vice President of Global Enterprise and Brand Marketing at Hilton. When she's not riding horses, Amy uses customer insights to design marketing strategy for the company's 18 brands. Today, we'll talk about the 2022 Hilton Trends Report and how those trends will play out across Hilton hotels and maybe a little bit about horses. But first, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals with burning marketing questions. If you would like to submit a question, give me a call at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Rocco. And Amy, Rocco gave me a lot of backstory. So I'm going to summarize it for us. Rocco is wondering, he says, I'm at the beginning of my marketing career and want to take some courses to build my skills and make myself more valuable to employers. If you had to narrow it down, what are a few things I should focus on? And he lists a lot of technical skills like SEO, email marketing, pay-per-click advertising, graphic design, all of those kinds of things. So I'm curious about what you think. That's a good one. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on the podcast. Love the show. It's a great question from Rocco. I think it depends a little bit on what he wants to do. Does he want to specialize in a specific area of marketing? Or is he hoping to become more of a marketing strategist and and kind of be a, a director of marketing or a, you know, head of marketing CMO kind of a thing one day. If it's the former, then I think you know going deep into some of those technical areas would make sense. Uh, if it's the latter and he really wants to understand the breadth of the marketing discipline because he's going to kind of lead a lot of it and have specialists in the form of employees or agencies working with him in his career. In that case, I would say taking a look at some of the disciplines and, and getting some of the broader based kind of intro courses to some of those would be helpful. Um, so what what do I mean by that? Like digital marketing. Is there a digital marketing course he could take where he'll learn a little bit about SEO, a little bit about you know addressable um, media, a little bit about some of the targeting that can be done and that kind of thing, right? And then you know maybe there's a course on some of the sort of more creative communications that would include some graphic design elements as well as messaging and and some of those other things. And then brand strategy, you know, as another area and things like that. And maybe consumer insights being one, right? And and then kind of get a smattering of those. So I think it a little bit depends, and hopefully that will help kind of point him in the right direction. I think you're absolutely right. And when I first read this question, you know, I was sort of scratching my head like, well, Rocco, what do you like? And I think to your point, a survey course or a more broad based course 
could help Rocco figure out the area that he wants to dive more deeply in. So totally agree. My last little piece of advice, Rocco, is that there are not enough people in business, in the hospitality business, in any business who are good writers. And so if you can take a course to improve your business writing skills, that will pay off long after pay-per-click is no longer a thing. So I said that like I'm an expert, but I am something of an accidental marketer. I have an English degree and I took my first hotel job to sort of buy myself time while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Decades later, I'm still in the hotel business. And I've owned a marketing company for 13 years. Unlike me, you have a communications degree in addition to your MBA. And you've always held marketing roles. How did you know or how did you decide that marketing was the way you wanted to go? Well, we actually have that in common because I started out as an English major too. Um, and oh. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. But then I was getting later in my um, university career and realized I didn't know what I was going to do with that degree. Fame. <laughs> <laughs> so I started thinking about it maybe a little bit earlier than you did, but um, that's only by accident, I think. And I didn't really want to teach. And that was one of the avenues I think I could have gone. I'm sure there were others. But in the end... What I found that I really enjoyed was a little bit of the, the psychology behind marketing and comms. And that's what sort of led me into it, into the comms space. I've always been fascinated about the motivations behind the way people sort of act, behave, think. Um, and that really led me to marketing because marketing, obviously good marketing is all really based on a foundation of understanding um, your consumer, right? So that's what really kind of led me there. And then I sort of fell in love with the kind of relationships people have with brands and how that actually you know, mimics some of the relationships we have out there in, in the great wide world. So that's kind of what brought me to it. Um, and then I sort of found it and, and found I really enjoyed it and all the other aspects of it as well. That's interesting and pretty surprising. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone describe it as consumer psychology as sort of their their driving force. So I that's super interesting. Now I want to read a book that you write about that, please. <laughs> ASAP. That'd be great. Before you came to Hilton, you worked for Choice Hotels for several years in London. What were some of the differences that you noticed between working in the US and working in the UK? Yeah, that's an interesting one. There's so much that's different as a result of culture. And that actually also shapes people's beliefs and thinkings, right? Just to our earlier conversation. So living outside of my birth country for nearly seven years was super illuminating. I never actually realized before I did that, how living in America has given so many of us a very positive, can-do, anything-is-possible kind of attitude. That's not the same in every country. Um, it's not exclusively American, but it certainly is something that is more typical of Americans. That said, what I found was that the Brits are amazingly resilient and they have a put your head down and get on with it kind of approach and practicality that I very much admire. Um, I also worked with colleagues and consumers in France and Italy and in Germany, um, which was so enriching. What I found was that we all had really complementary strengths and 
you know, the other, the shadow side of the strength, maybe (laughs) you might call that a weakness. So when we actually came together as a team working against one vision, we were a really strong force. And when it comes to travel in particular, there's much more international travel in the UK and in Europe for good reason, right? Because there are, you can go a few hundred miles and you're in another country. Um, And especially in the UK, traveling abroad is very dear for many uh, Britons because it's such a treat to get sort of off the island, um, usually in search of sun. Or, or ski holidays or things like that. Um, and there are amazing places to visit at the doorstep, really, of the UK, as well as within the UK. So that was something else that I found really different from this country where, you know, obviously within the US, you can, you know, cross a time zone and you're in a completely different climate and culture to some degree, whereas obviously within the UK, it's a little bit different. So there, there were just an amazing sort of tapestry of differences. And I learned so much living there. You are an avid horse rider. This may come as a shock to you, but you are. And that is a serious hobby. It's quite different from something like, you know, putting puzzles together or doing crosswords. Everyone that I know that rides horses does so with a sort of intensity and enthusiasm that like I don't bring to my hobbies, for example. So I'm curious about that about what are some of the ways that riding adds to your quality of life? That may seem like a weird question, but what I mean is, is it hard to have time to ride when things are busy at work or is it necessary? Do you ever have brainstorms while you're riding or is it like how you clear your head? Yeah, riding is definitely not something you can do half-heartedly. Or if you do, <laughs> you won't be on the horse for very long. So <laughs> that's, that's a tip. Um, I've been riding since I was small. And I've always really adored the connection and the two-way communication that you have with the horse that you're riding. And as I mentioned, if you're not fully there, it's going to be a problem. So it's really impossible to be anywhere but present. And in that way, it's almost like a meditation. And the horse can tell if you're not Um, And there's something really beautiful about that because they sort of keep you honest in that way. And so it's really incredibly humbling when those massive animals, you know, they're 600, 700 pounds, right? They put their trust in you. You literally need them to do what you want to do, but you can't force them (laughs) unless you're incredibly cruel, which, you know, we really try not to be in, in that world. So you have to be persuasive in different ways. And it's a really useful life skill, right? That we have to use with people as well. And it's definitely... So it's a time for me to definitely put everything aside, focus just on that, which you know really is calming, really helps you to, to get out of the day-to-day, put the stress and worries aside. It's not a time when I brainstorm because I have to be so focused, but I do come off of it really refreshed. Unlike when I run, sometimes I'll brainstorm when I run because I kind of just... you know You can run and not think about it, right? Whereas with horse riding, you really need to focus, but then you, you're so refreshed and clear-headed when you get off. That's really interesting, especially the part about persuasion. How often do you ride? Well, it depends. I go through spurts where I ride a lot. Um, So there are times when I'm riding every week um, and at weekends. And there are other times where I'll take a few, you know, months off and then come back to it. I'm in one of those spates right now just because it's been a really busy time. Um, And also COVID's made it a little more difficult. But I try to do it at least uh, once a week or every other week. Gotcha. So before I started grilling you about horses, I mentioned Hilton's 2022 trends report, which I read from cover to cover. Can you describe the report and why it was important for you to put it out? 
Yes, absolutely. And thank you for reading it cover to cover. I'm glad it was really it. interesting. I'm glad you found it fascinating. Yes, I think, you know, as a hundred plus year old company, Hilton has always been at the forefront of consumer trends. But as we're kind of sitting at that, at that point, looking forward and at an unusual point, I think in the history of the world, frankly, it became even more critical that we sort of really asked ourselves, what does the future hold? And we really wanted to make sure we thought about how things that have happened in the last, you know, two years or so have impacted um, consumers and, and our industry and travelers everywhere. And what we've really learned is that it's really been always been about the people and it's still about the people and it's about what they need and it's about how their needs have changed um, and how their priorities have shifted. And really within that is a glimpse of the future of travel, right? Because people don't check their themselves at the door when they leave on a trip, right? They're bringing themselves with them. So we really wanted to sort of put together this report about the emerging trends of the redefined traveler, because it's really about how they change over time and how we are going to change to meet those changing needs. Um, and it's really about kind of identifying those micro and macro trends to understand their preferences and the changes in their preferences going forward. One of the trends that you identified in the report is that travelers are prioritizing trips that allow them to reconnect, reunite with family they may not have seen for several months. Can you talk a little bit about how that insight led to specific programming at Hilton? Yes, it's been a real unlock for us because that's, you know, really become the driving force of travel at the back half of last year and coming into this year. Uh, we saw the fact that people were re-emerging from their pandemic bubbles. And that was the biggest thing they wanted to do was reconnect, get back together uh, with the people and places they've missed, right? It so was my first trip to see my family that I hadn't seen in more than a year. Exactly. And I just got back from over Thanksgiving. We went to Switzerland to see family we hadn't seen in nearly two years. It's and it's moving when when you do it, isn't it? It's really, it's really important. So we actually saw that from our customers. We heard that from them. We saw more than 56% increase in members redeeming their Hilton honors points. Oh wow. Um, yeah, in a six-month period compared to the same time period. Uh, the year before in 2020. And so we really thought about how do we talk to people about, about that? How do we relate? And that's what led to the genesis of our Two New Memories campaign that's been in market now since the sort of second half of 2020 or late that year and, and is still in market now. It's really about you know, making sure that when they are thinking about getting back out there and traveling, they know Hilton's ready to help them um, get back on the road and, and make those memories, those new memories again, because that's what everybody misses. There's actually been this memory deficit that people talk about because travel is one of the biggest generators of new and, and happy <laughs> memories. And when you don't have travel, you know, it becomes really samey and you don't have those special moments. You think about, you know, your Facebook or Instagram or whatever feed and how it says, remember this memory, right? It's it's often a travel memory, right? There's a good reason for that. So we know that's really important. We know business travelers missed having those connections. And then we, we also knew that... So we kind of developed the campaign, thought about, you know, the things that they would need. So making sure they know they could cancel if they needed to because plans are changing. So providing flexibility, making sure that there are obviously cleanliness standards up to par, given the, the worries of the pandemic. So those were some of the things we did. And then this summer, one of the big pain points we've heard for many years actually has been that when people do travel together, they want to stay together and they want to know that 
And if they, you know, are asking for a connecting room, a room that has an adjoining door, that they are going to get it when they get to the hotel because it's something that's really important to them. They want to be able to either put their kids in that room or important family members of that room or just stay close to one another. And it's something that's not book hasn't been bookable historically, right? In the in the industry, Hilton figured out how to make it bookable um, so that you know when you're actually making your reservation that it's confirmed. You've you've got the connecting rooms that you booked and asked it's, for. That's huge. So that was ruled out and we're so we've had great response, just like you're saying. So that's been fantastic. This is funny to me to think back, you know, in my first hotel job, I thought that room blocks were blocks of room on a single floor. And it makes sense that consumers would expect that they get to stay, you know, you book two rooms at the same time, you sh- they should be right next to each other. So I think that I bet that's a super popular new thing to have access to. Um, I was talking to a friend recently about his pandemic puppy. And I know that a lot of people have added a pet to their family over the last couple of years. How is Hilton reacting to that trend? Yes, that is such a big trend. New pets, lots more people traveling with pets as well. That's, you know, something that is is kind of an acceleration of a trend that we've seen as a result of the pandemic. I think both because people have gotten more pets and also because people don't want to leave their pets behind. They've really bonded with them during this time even more, right? You so feel guilty. To... Totally. It's your fur <laughs> baby, right? Yes, so yes. everybody wants to bring I'm a dog owner. I totally agree. So, and in fact, we saw in 2021, our booking data shows that our pet-friendly booking filter has been the number three most used search filter on our Hilton.com site. So we do have some pet-friendly hotels. Our Home 2 brand has always been... Home 2 Suites by Hilton has always been fully pet-friendly. We're now expanding that across more of our brands. So big news coming on that soon. We're really excited to to shift to have more of our brands um, offer that. And we also have undertaken a, a, a partnership with Mars Pet Care, which is the world's largest pet care company. Actually, they have a lot of the food brands and other healthcare brands for pets. Um, So we've come together to anticipate and address the needs of pet parents to make traveling together more seamless and enjoyable. So we're really kind of looking at ways that we can um, help make it easier for our customers to travel with their pets. Do you travel with your dog? Oh, yes, I sure do. And not always, but we do take him along. And sometimes even we bring a friend for him. (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's a smart idea. I guess let's take a big step back for a second. Big picture, how have travelers' expectations changed over the last couple of years? Yes, we cover a lot of this in the report, as you might have noticed. And so I'm happy to share a little bit of that with you. I think the big four themes are these four things. Amid chaos, people really found efficiencies and they'll be looking for that in travel as well. If you think about contactless you know, curbside (laughs) um, to your home delivery, right? That is a game changer. And they expect that when they travel as well. So our contactless check-in and check-out, digital key, those kinds of offerings are really, really important to our customers because they're they're doing that in, in their lives anyway. The second is the overall focus on wellness spans well beyond the gym. Right, and I think again that was a tra- that was a trend that was on the way up, but it accelerated um, with a reimagined workplace, new routines, kind of an overall better understanding of and elevation of understanding of of mindful wellness and mental wellness. People are looking for that to be again balanced as they travel. The third. 
shared is people have new passions or passions that they've gotten time to continue to to develop. So they have more refined tastes and preferences. Um, We talked about hobbies a little bit already, right? They're a little more sophisticated now. They want to bring those along with them, whether that's culinary, whether that's unique travel experiences, whether that's uh, fitness and wellness things that they're now they're now enjoying. It's funny in the report there, I know that you talk about tequila and gin as being sort of the up and coming things. And those are the two spirits that my spouse and I spent the most time learning about over the pandemic. So I was... I was both disappointed and delighted that we are that basic, that we are just right on trend. <laughs> You're right on trend. Well, you were maybe ahead of it because okay. now the reports come out, right? Perfect. You were already doing it. So you were ahead of the trend. Awesome. <laughs> and and now, of course, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this as well. Tequila is actually at the forefront of the low or, or no alcohol movement as well and mocktails. And, and so that's a really interesting one that intersects, right? The culinary, you know, beverage trend with the wellness trend, which is so interesting too. And then the last trend is this sort of bigger sense of caring, this, this you know, idea of, you know, caring more about one another and, and because we've been separated about those we love. Um, and so we think that, you know, it's really created this sort of elevated uh, sense of reconnection, as we talked about before, but also sustainability and community impact. People have thought more about how things actually impact even, you know, those beyond the kind of ripple effect. And we believe that's something that people, you know, are looking for brands to stand for something on, and they want to actually do business with brands that share their values. Agreed. As you know, we like to make sure that our listeners come away from every episode of Top Floor with a couple of specific and practical tips or ideas that they can try in their businesses or their lives. You are an expert at turning the feedback you get from customers into hotel programs and brand messages that resonate with them. What's the first place to start when you want to gather those kinds of insights, say in my business or in in another business? Yes. Great question. I think, you know, whatever sort of avenues you have for listening to your customers, for hearing their feedback, for understanding their points of view and, and how their needs are being met or not being met, I think is the place to really start. And, and I think every business has that, whether it's you know, literally rudimentary, you know, what are they saying as they as they check in or as they interact with your teams? Or if you have some more sophisticated tools at your disposal, like surveys or, or listening mechanisms, you know, that's really what, what we do. We, we've really focused at Hilton on our core tenants of our customer-focused business, which is to listen loudly, to really understand what customers are looking for, and then to customize the solutions for our guests. So that's really kind of what we focus on. We're lucky enough to have tools like social listening, customer feedback surveys, qualitative and quantitative research. But you know, that's not something that everybody has access to. But I think it's it's absolutely possible to get the feedback you need, even if it's um, not, you know, using some of those tools. There are lots of things out there that are available that are that are you know low and no cost. And then what happens with that feedback is that you've got to take action on it because your customers are going to expect it, especially if you ask them for it. And the way to really leverage it is to use that as a driver for innovation. You know, I talked about confirmed connecting rooms. We heard loudly that that was a pain point for people and we heard it, you know, even more so during the pandemic. So we we actioned it, right? And then and that's giving us, you know, the chance to meet their needs in a new way. So that kind of thing is what you need to look for. 
I get asked this question sometimes, and I'm sure you do too, but what is an unexpected travel tip that you can share? Oh, so I'll give them to you. They're quick. One is those of you who have a straightening iron, you can always use that to iron your clothes in a pinch. Oh, for your hair? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Okay, that's smart. Mm -hmm. You can actually use it. Yep. Um, another one is I love bringing wine home. I don't know how others feel about that, but it's such a great memento from anywhere you might travel to. Um, but it's heavy to carry. So there are great wine sleeves you can get that have sort of bubble wrap built in um, and they're sealed so that it protects the, the wine and your clothes when you put them in your suitcase. So that's another good one. Um, and, the, and the last one is hotel specific. When you're going on a trip, Park and fly is a great way to park more economically and make your trip a little easier because you can stay at the airport either at the front or the back end of your trip. And if you're getting in late, that can be really useful. When I came back most recently from Switzerland, my flight got in late. So I was able to do a reverse park and fly as it's called and and stay at the end of my trip and then drive home on the next morning when I was fresher, which was great. Okay. That makes sense. My um, sister and her family just did that. They went on a ski trip in Colorado and you know the ski resorts are so far from the Denver airport. So they did the reverse park and fly on their way home. And I think they really loved it. They had a really nice day. So good tips. Usually at this point in the show, I ask my guests to predict the future, but I sort of feel like in your case, the trends report was one giant crystal ball. So instead, I'm going to ask if there are one or two findings in the trends report that we didn't talk about yet that you want to share. Yeah, I think if I were going to talk about one or two, I would probably talk a little bit more about wellness because I do think that's going to be such a big trend. I know I touched on it, but I think what we're really seeing is that people really want to bring holistic wellness to their travel in a way that we haven't seen as much in the past. So what do I mean by that? It's about making sure that they can focus on their overall well-being and that could be built up of, you know, any of of a sort of couple of different facets. One is, of course, fitness, which I think a lot of us already think about when we're on the road. Um, there's, you know, eating the way I need to for uh, for my health and my lifestyle. There's also, you know, mindfulness, and that can include everything from sleep to, you know, making sure that you've got a space to meditate or get outside, some of those kinds of things. And then there's, you know, the just kind of overall making sure that you're able to focus on the things that are important to you. Um, and people talk about that as being part of wellness as well. And the thing about fitness as well is is that people are not just wanting a fitness center. They want to be able to do what they do at home. And a lot of cases, right? That's not necessarily um, going to a, a gym, but it's, you know, it could be yoga, which you could very easily do in your room if it's if it's appropriate, um, appropriately laid out. It could be, you know, something like Peloton or boot camp kind of things that you would want to do. So those are the kinds of things that we need to sort of make available. And that could bridge into meditation and other things as well. So one of the things we have at Hilton are what we call our five feet to fitness rooms, which are all about making the room actually can turn into whatever you need it to turn into for your fitness routine. So it's actually got weight equipment and mats and other things that make it possible for you to be five feet from whatever your, whatever your fitness routine is that you would like to um, like to keep up. So that's that's one big trend. Do you want me to talk about another one quickly or did I go too I long? I definitely want <laughs> you to talk about another one. 
Okay, great. So I think the other one I would talk about is culinary travel. You and I touched on this one a little bit with what you and your spouse were doing with your um, learning about, I think it was gin and tequila, right? Mm -hmm. I think the sort of lockdown and the pandemic have really um, heightened people's interest in culinary exploration. Um, And that's something we're definitely seeing come through in our travel space as well. They really want to understand the sort of local cultural culinary traditions of the places they're traveling to. They want to sort of, you know, experience it in a way that is more experiential, frankly, right? They want to be part of the mixology moment. They want to understand the, where the ingredients are being sourced from. They really want to kind of understand how things are being developed and, and why, as well as kind of just doing the, the tasting, just sitting down and having the meal or having the drink. So, you know, that's something that we've been focused on as well. It's something that is at the heart of a lot of our amazing food and beverage offerings across our Hilton brands, especially in our luxury and, and sort of full service brand offerings. Um, we have a lot of really interesting culinary options. For instance, we have an undersea restaurant, which I've been fortunate enough to... What? Yeah, to, Tell to me about in. this. Yeah. So this is in the Maldives. Um, so it's it's not close by, but it's definitely one to <laughs> the list. Um, it's our Conrad Maldives, um, Rangali Island, Ita Resort. And it's literally a restaurant that's under the water um, in a bubble. And you can see the fish and the manta rays and all of the amazing, you know, fauna and flora while you're actually having, you know, locally sourced and responsibly sourced meals of amazing, amazing food. So that's an incredible experience. For it instance. sounds amazing. And I definitely want to see photographs of that. I can share. Is it scary <laughs> at all to be there? Like, do you feel like, oh, any minute something <laughs> crazy is going to happen? There are some reef sharks. So if you are a shark... If you're, if you're nervous about sharks, I mean, they've got really little teeth, but, um, <laughs> but you know, that could be a little nerve wracking for some people, but I didn't find it scary, but I, I guess it depends. <laughs> you just walk down some stairs. So it doesn't feel like you're, you know, all that deep in the sea, if you see what I mean. Gotcha. Gotcha. What is next for you and what's next for Hilton? Well, I think, you know, the world and our industry, as you well know, have been through so much in the last two years. And of course, as we've uncovered through this report, travelers' needs and interests have really shifted as well as a result of all they've been through. So I think at Hilton, what we what we think is next is that travelers have higher expectations across the board. Um, you know, we talked about this already from, you know, the fact that they've just been having to deal with so much, they're not going to settle anymore. So, you know, we at Hilton believe we have to continue to raise the bar in terms of how we're solving long-term frustrations to upping our game in wellness, sustainability, culinary experiences and offerings. We really have to kind of raise our game to, to meet that new bar. I think we've been incredibly focused on delivering the experiences that guests are looking for, even through everything we've we've faced. You know, I talked about really kind of game-changing flexibility, our clean state program, and some of the other programs we've introduced, our confirmed connecting rooms. We have to be focused on what's next. Um, so we're looking about that, but we're really optimistic about what's coming because I think travel is coming back. People want to get out there. We've seen that pent-up demand. So that's really exciting for us. And we're we're really looking to kind of build on that momentum and look at what, what the consumers are looking for. So my team and I are really focused on what are the insights? What are they looking for? How can we build programs and products and offerings with that include our brands and make them more appealing to our customers? And that is so massively satisfying to meet their needs, leave them feeling satisfied and loving your brand. So that's our goal. And we believe we're placed to do that really well. Excellent. Are you going... 
riding anytime soon. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And skiing, which is another one of my great loves. So I'm awesome. going to Colorado to go skiing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. Okay, folks, before we tell Amy goodbye, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down. Amy, what is a story that you would only tell on the loading dock? Well, I gave this one some thought because um, I knew you were going to ask me this. I've heard <laughs> this in your podcast. Um, I'm continually amazed by the creativity, the innovation, the generosity of spirit in our industry and in our Hilton team members. There are so many examples I could give, but I thought I'd tell you a story that really touched me. And it really embodies the vision of our founder, Conrad Hilton, which is to spread the light and warmth of hospitality. So there was this little two-year-old girl called Eliza, who some of your listeners may have heard of. She had a very rare form of cancer and had been going through many surgeries and treatments, but unfortunately, she was losing the fight, which is terribly, terribly sad. It was one of her greatest wishes to have a beach day with her family, but that wasn't possible for a lot of reasons. So the team at the Hilton Columbus, Ohio, bought a special sandbox just for Eliza by their pool so that her wish could come true. And she played in the sand and she jumped in the pool and she swam with her family and she had a grand time. And I love that the team did that for her and for her family. It really speaks to the caliber of people at Hilton and the caliber of people in this industry. And I'm just so proud to be a part of it. I've never had a loading dock story that made me tear up before. So thank you. That's a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing it. Amy Martin Ziegenfuss, thank you so much for being here. I hope our listeners got some great ideas and I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. This episode is sponsored in part by She Has a Deal. She Has a Deal offers inspiration and education to achieve the goal of increasing the number of women hotel owners and developers. With pitch competitions for both early career and experienced women, programs channel the power of collaboration and mentorship by connecting experts and newbies, experienced investors, and hotel operations leaders. Learn more at shehasadeal.com. Thanks so much for listening today. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 20. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 